Jesus didn't come to earth to make bad people good. Jesus came to earth to make dead people. That's huge. Why? Uh, Because there are billions and billions of really nice, good, moral people who are spiritually dead. They're good, they're nice, uh, but they're in desperate need of the eternal, life-giving presence that's found only in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So uh, lots and lots of good, nice, moral people around us who still need uh, to know uh, and be made alive by the the life-giving presence of Jesus in the cross and the empty tomb. Now today, we're going to start by looking at an illustration of a really good man who was also really spiritually dead. Okay? He, he was really dead, uh, and he refused to budge from his deadness. He was counting on his goodness being enough. And then we're going to look at a really bad man who comes alive. So it's almost like uh, we get that, and now we're going to get two illustrations of what that's all about. Uh, If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 18. Uh, We're going to look at the really good, nice, moral man um, who's kind of stubborn in his goodness. Verse 18, Luke chapter 18. Rachel put it up there for you. You can follow along. It said, a certain ruler uh, asked Jesus, a good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to earn, to merit eternal life, to get to heaven, we might say? He wants to know how to get to heaven, what he has to do to earn it. Verse 19, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Uh, So you must be talking to God if you're talking to me, referring to me. Good. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. Okay? Uh, The good, moral, nice ruler says, All these I've kept since I was a boy. He said, I've, I've done that. I've managed to honor God's top ten list, found in Exodus chapter 20. Um, And then, uh, verse 22, Jesus is going to push him on his one-week spot. Notice, uh, yeah, you're really good, you're nice, you're moral, uh, but you do have one weak area. And here we go, when Jesus heard this, he said to them, well, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. You know what Jesus was saying? Um, You're a really good, nice, moral guy, uh, but you got this one area that's really bad. You are really rich, but you're also really greedy and you're really stingy with your stuff. Please understand, Jesus is pointing to his besetting entangling sin here. You are a nice, moral man, but you are also a greedy, selfish sinner, too, is what he's pointing out to him. Here's the area that you struggle with. 
I, I know you think you got the top ten list down, uh, but you don't have it all covered. Verse 23, when he heard this, he became very sad. Why? Because he was really wealthy. <laughs> and he really, really didn't want to share his wealth. He really, really didn't want to give away any of his money. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the good, nice, moral young ruler went away sad. Why? Because he realized he wasn't willing to do and deal with his entangling, besetting, selfish greed. Uh, he uh, had gluttony for riches. Some of us struggle with gluttony for food. He had gluttony for his wealth. And he wasn't willing to deal with his gluttony for riches. Therefore, that good man stayed dead spiritually. He was still dead spiritually. So that's the first illustration. Now, we're going to flip it, so to speak, and we're going to see a bad man who comes alive. Would you stand with me if you are able? Let's read out loud Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, about a wee little bad man. Verse 1, let's read together. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He watched to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to the, be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything... I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you that uh, you didn't just seek and save lost people back in Bible times. Thank you, Lord, that you're still in the business today of seeking and saving lost sinners like me, like each and every one of us. Lord, I'm asking that the power of your word and the very same spirit that raised your son from the dead, that, that same Holy Spirit would be welcomed today in your church. We pause, Lord, and we recognize that uh, some of my friends have just been through a really tough, challenging week. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you might minister your grace and your goodness 
and your comfort to each and every one of them. Lord, specifically, we want to pray right now for the Vanderwall family. Lord, uh, Carl has had a really rough week, and uh, his wife Jennifer and Noah and Anna and Noel and Jaden have all been hurting this week. So, Lord, this member of, of our church family, we want to lift up to you. And, Lord, I'm asking that you'll work powerfully. May, may Carl sense your presence and your power right next to him even right now. Rain down good stuff on that family. And, Lord, help us, uh, brothers and sisters, family in Christ, to step up and do our part. And I pray for your blessing on those who've been right there doing that all along. Lord, uh, now as we worship you by studying your, your book together, uh, speak. We're listening. We're ready to hear from you. We're ready to respond as you make yourself clear. And all the church at Walloon Lake said with one voice, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Sing with me if you know it. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior came that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, what, Zacchaeus? You come down. Why? For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice job. <laughs> this is one of the favorite stories in children's ministry. It's, it's a fun one because, you know, there's a little guy and children can identify that. You know, they, they can't always see over everything. So uh, he wants to see Jesus, he climbs a tree, Jesus sees him up in the tree, calls him down, um, I'd like you to invite me over to your house, Zach, I, I want to get to know you today. That's the children's version, and, and it's true, um, but I guess I want to dig in a little bit deeper this morning with you. It, it's a great children's story, but I've discovered this past week as I've been digging, there's, there's some really deep and surprisingly powerful things in this little story. Verse 1, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem when he passes through Jericho for the last time. Last time through Jericho, uh, he's going to arrive in Jerusalem. It's going to be the last time he enters into Jerusalem because in just a matter of days, the crowds are going to welcome Jesus, and they're going to cheer, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they've got the palm branches, and they're going to cheer him on as he rides in on a donkey. We call that Palm Sunday. And then a few days later, the crowds are going to shout, crucify him, crucify him. That's just a few days away, beaten, scourged, and hung on a Roman cross. So he, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and that's just around the corner. Now, as he passes through Jericho, understand Jericho's about 15 miles away. Uh, Jericho's 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. It was in that day 
Today, if you go to Jericho, it's kind of, honestly, it's disappointing. It's kind of a a nasty little town. Um, I, I was not impressed, nor are most. But in this day, it wasn't really at this location. It was located on a spring, um, and it was so beautiful that Mark Antony gave Jericho to Cleopatra as a gift of love. You, you, I've got this, this little piece of paradise, and I'm giving it to you, Cleo. And she thought so highly of it, uh, she turned around and sold it to Herod to get the cash for it. So... Uh, interesting little part of uh, Jericho history. Uh, Jesus, as he enters the city, if you go back to chapter 18 and verse 42, just as he's coming into the city, a a blind man calls out to Jesus, uh, and Jesus miraculously opens his eyes, and now the blind man can see. So you can imagine the crowds are excited. They are praising God and, and they are thrilled to shout, the man who just gave the blind man sight, he, he's coming in and everybody's gathering around. Verse 2, a man named Zacchaeus was in the crowd. And it says something interesting about him. He wasn't just a tax collector, he was what? He was the chief tax collector. There... Are, were three regions of taxation in Israel at this time. Uh, Caesarea, Capernaum, and Jericho. And Zacchaeus was the commissioner of taxes in all of the Jericho region. He was the boss over all the tax collectors in that region. And each of the tax collectors would have to pay Zacchaeus a percentage of the money they collected. Are you tracking? Uh, there's a reason why he was very rich, because he had lots of tax collectors out, uh, and they were greedy extortionists as far as the Jews were concerned. That was their job, squeeze every last dollar out of every last person. And uh, you can use the pressure and the intimidation of the Roman sword if necessary. But really, the tax collectors, uh, they squeezed the taxes most out of the common people of Israel. And I just want you to know, they were hated. They were hated. They were despised. So, just imagine now how much more the head tax collector who's putting pressure on his fellow tax collectors so he could get even richer. Imagine how all the people of Jericho despised and hated Zacchaeus. We, we hate him. We don't want to look at him. We will not touch him. We will uh, curse at him. Uh, we'll spit on him if we get a chance. We hate this man. Verse 3, but the big crowd presented a tall problem for the vertically challenged tax man. Uh, Verse 4, but Zacchaeus, he he was short and he's despised, but he is ingenious and he's determined because he wants to see what all the fuss is about in town. 
He, he wants to know why the crowd's going crazy. Why are they so excited? So the parade is headed his way, and the rich tax man, likely the most detested, despised man in town, as Jesus walks by, got the picture uh, in the finest of clothes that money could buy, is hanging from the limb of a tree as Jesus walks by. Now, we don't know exactly how he heard. Maybe he heard about the blind man being healed. Uh, perhaps he heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead. Maybe he knew Matthew. Matthew, one of the, the 12 of Jesus. Anybody know what was his profession? He was a... Maybe Zacchaeus knew Matt from the old days. And, and now, I, I gotta, he, Matt keeps talking about this Jesus. I've I got to find out what's going on here. So here's where the story gets interesting. In the middle of a crowd, okay, picture there's a crowd. It's such a crowd that the Zacchaeus can't see. So he climbs up in the tree, verse 5, and somehow in the middle of this crowd and, and the press of a crowd, Jesus stops. And he looks up, and we don't exactly know. I, I don't know if this was supernatural or if maybe Jesus turned to somebody and said, who's the guy in the tree? And, and everybody knew him. Everybody hated him. He, he was well known. But somehow he says to Zacchaeus by name, uh, Zac, come down from that tree. I need to go to your house today. I, I need you to welcome me into your home right now. Verse 6, uh, Zach climbs down the tree. He's glad to climb down, it says, and he's glad to have Jesus come to his home. Understand something. This instant is the turning point in Zacchaeus' life. Th this is the most important moment in his life because he's going to go from a very bad man to a very alive man spiritually. You got it? This is huge. He's going to go from being a very bad, hated, despised, despicable man, and he really was all that, to a very alive, full of Jesus, spiritually man. Now here's what I've noticed, and I would encourage you, if you want a little study, just note how Jesus lives his life. He's never in a hurry. Jesus is knowing that he's going to Jerusalem. He knew the cross was coming. He knew the end was near and the crowd is huge and they're pressing on him and they're noisy, but Jesus was not rushed. He was never in a hurry. And here's what's amazing to me. Jesus notices the little lost guy in the tree. Jesus sees the tax men that are hanging in the tree around him. He notices, he stops, he pays attention, and he recognizes that, you know what? There's someone who needs to meet me. So Zacchaeus thought he was coming to see Jesus, but the truth was Jesus was coming to have an encounter with Zacchaeus. I need to remind myself when I read this. I need to remind you, because in our world today, it's fast-paced. It's hectic. It's hurried. It's, it's filled with lots of rush. 
and, and lots of hurry, um, and I'm concerned, give me your eyes, because I think most of us, we don't have time to notice the lost people that Jesus puts in our path. I'm convinced that most of us, uh, there's people hanging in the trees around us, and they are in desperate need of the good news that we have, but we're not noticing the Zacchaeuses hanging in the trees around us. You know why? Because I'm too busy. Because I'm too hurried. I'm too scheduled. I, I got too much going on. And I'm convinced there's lots of people around you and lots of people around me. They're curious about this Jesus that we know. They'd love to know. They'd love to have somebody, hey, hey, I, I want to come to your house. I want to talk to you about the most important thing that's ever happened to me. They need to know about Jesus and the cross and how it's changed our lives. But I'm just telling you, most of us, we're too busy to notice. We're too rushed. I, I'm too scheduled. I, I, I can't do that because I have to do this, that, and the other, and we're missing the most important thing, which is the people who are lost that Jesus wants us to slow down and talk with and build a relationship with. Just too busy. <laughs> um, if you slow down enough to first thing in the morning, Myron, spend some time with Jesus. Slow down enough to say, Lord, would you open my eyes today? Give me a heart for the people around me who are lost and hanging in the trees around me. Give me courage and tact to share the life-giving message that changed our lives. They need that message too, right, Giuseppe? They need to hear about Jesus as well. Um, one last thought. Are you ready? I've discovered this. I cannot walk with Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit and at the same time be rushed. Those two things don't go together. Now, maybe you can do it. I don't think so. Not at least very well. But I've discovered, for me at least, when I'm rushed and in a hurry, I don't stay full of Jesus easily. Because as soon as I start rushing and I'm in a hurry, all that Jesus stuff goes away. And now I'm just full of Jeff. And I don't know about you, but I'm dangerous when I'm full of Jeff. Uh, so that just means this. We're going to have to slow down a bit, y'all. And maybe create a little extra margin in our lives, which may mean we have to say no to a few things so the best thing can be the main thing and I have time to talk with people that Jesus has in my path that need to hear about Him. Lord, help me to connect. Help me to notice the people around me who are lost. They might even be good, nice, moral people, but they're lost and dead spiritually. They need to hear about you. They need to hear about you. Verse 7. Let's go on. When the crowd sees Jesus go to Zach's house, how do they react? Look at verse 7. And when the people saw that Jesus was going to Zach's house, he was going to be the guest of Zach, uh, he, they began to, what does it say? Mutter. They began to complain. They, they began to say, you know what? He must not be all that. He might be able to open the blind man's eyes, but he can't really be much of a prophet 
Otherwise, he would know what a bad, sinful man this man really is. He, he can't be that great of a teacher, or otherwise he'd know better. So, so I need to ask you a question, and I'll even let some of you tell me what you think. If Jesus were to come to northern Michigan today or tomorrow, where do you think he'd go and hang out? And, and I guess I just want to say right off the bat, I, I don't think he'd be in church. I really don't. If, if, you, if you follow Jesus in the Gospels, uh, where do you think he might hang out? Anybody have any thoughts? I've got a few, but I, I'd like to hear from some of you. Where do you think Jesus would go and hang if, if he were to just come today, 2016, and he's just going to go and hang out with some people? Where do you think he'd go? I think he'd go to Harbor Hall. I think he'd be hanging around Harbor Hall. Yeah, I agree. That was actually one of the things I wrote down. Yeah. Um, anybody else? Where do you think Jesus would hang out if he were to... Huh? I think he might... Wedding or maybe even more likely a funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Where, where else do you think Jesus would hang if he was came, coming today? Uh, I think he might even, you know... Go to the casino, yeah. There's probably some people there who really need to hear and, and need Jesus to uh, connect with them. Anybody else? Where do you think he'd hang? The jail? Yeah, I think he'd, uh, he'd uh, probably want to go and uh, see if the chaplain could get him in. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Where would Jesus hang today if he were to come back today? I, I think he might go right across the street, 131, to uh, Bear River Health, you know. And, and go, that's, that's folks who are uh, trying to get rid of some addictions that they're struggling with. Anybody else? The college, you think? Yeah, I think he might, you know, especially if he could find some people who weren't quite convinced that he really is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Somebody said something back here, I'm sorry. Where? The golf course? Oh. <laughs> Marv? <laughs> You're just wanting permission. <laughs> yes, of course he'd go to the golf course, Mark. Uh, here's, here's the truth, okay? I, I, I just think you, you, you see my point. Um, Jesus hangs with sinners. Why? Because it's sinners who desperately know that they need the life-changing message of Jesus. Uh, I think he hangs with people who've got tattoos and piercings and really strange hair and skulls on their t-shirts. To which we say, but Jesus, don't you know those people are messy? Jesus, don't you know they fall and fail and sometimes they lie and they cheat? So, so then I would ask, well then why didn't he ask the rich young ruler to invite him over to his house? Think about it. Why does he ask that, that bad, sinful, lying uh, little man, Zacchaeus, why does he ask if he can come to his house and he doesn't go to the rich young ruler's house? Any, any thoughts? Um, I'll, sh I'll show you. Verse 10, we've got an answer. Uh, For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save who? Those people who know they're lost, those people who know they're bad, those people who know they're sick. The rich young ruler, he was good and he wasn't interested in, in getting found. Uh, Zacchaeus knew he was lost. He realized he was dead. And verse 8, Jesus points him to his entangling sin. 
his riches. And, and here's what's interesting. When, when the rich young ruler was pointed, Here, here's your problem, it's your riches, he went away sad. Um, but here's how Zacchaeus dealt with it. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to pay back four times the amount. What was Zacchaeus known for in town? He was known for being greedy. And, and he was known for taking advantage of people. And, and right now, Zacchaeus says, you know what? My riches have lost their shine. I, I don't, I'm not so excited about my riches anymore. Zacchaeus' point of weakness was just like the rich young ruler. It was his money. It was his greed. He was gluttonous concerning money. Are you ready? And no one was really going to believe that Zacchaeus had changed until he changed in that area. Does that make sense? Nobody was going to believe that Zacchaeus was really now a follower of Jesus until he, he dealt drastically with that point of weakness in his area. So uh, what's your area of weakness? What, what area uh, do you have that tends to be your entangling, besetting weak spot? Did you know every one of us has them? Hold your hand up if you have a weak area. Okay? And if anyone's not holding their hand up, their weak area is pride because they don't want to admit that they have one. Yeah. <laughs> okay? So here's the point I just want to say. If your weak spot is gossip and you tell everybody, oh, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, and yet you do nothing about that gossiping, nobody's going to be interested in your Jesus. Track with me. If your weak spot is bitterness or anger, and you just keep on passing bulletins out or helping out in children's world, uh, but nothing changes, they're not going to believe just because you're serving in church that you're genuinely a follower of Jesus. If your weak spot is pornography or sleeping around with people you're not married to or some sexual sin, just because you put money in the offering plate doesn't convince anybody that you belong to Jesus. If you treat people like dirt, like you're superior um, and you're not willing to deal with it, if, if you can't get along with the authorities in your life, that's the area that you need to allow Jesus to change and make you new and then everybody will say, what happened to him? <laughs> I, I used to know that person, and, and they cursed like a sailor. But, but what happened? That's gone. You understand? If people look at you and, and they're saying, you know what? Um, you say you're, you've got the joy of Jesus, but you keep finding joy in the bottles of alcohol. I'm not sure I believe this Jesus stuff. Are you really new? <laughs> A big part of the reason people don't come to Jesus, give me your eyes, is because we refuse to allow Jesus to come and clean out the closets of our besetting entangling sins. We just kind of hold, well, well he'll still love me. He'll, he'll still accept me. He'll still let me squeeze and squeak into heaven. Really? 
You're going to hold on to that? Oh yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not willing to deal with that main spot of weakness in my life. Can I just say something? I'm going to say it strong, and I don't mean it because I'm mad at you. But if you got that area in your life and you refuse to deal with it, that's a sign that you're thinking more like the rich young ruler than you are like Zacchaeus. Make sense? If you're not willing to deal with that weak spot in your life, then you're behaving more like the rich young ruler because Zac was willing to deal with his problem with greed and riches. And he dealt with it strong. Verse 9, look at it. Until you admit, Zac, that you are a greedy, selfish sinner and you turn from your riches to me, Jesus says to Zac, no one's going to believe it. No one's going to buy it. And there's a good chance that it really isn't true. You'll just go away and be like that rich, young, good, moral guy who just writes on, holding on tightly to his greed and his riches. Verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Purpose statement of Jesus. Would you say this right after me? I'll, I'll say it and you repeat. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save lost sinners like me. Have you admitted that? And that's not just, oh, in general, I admit that. That's admitting it in your area of entangling, besetting weakness. Have you owned up to that? Have you invited Jesus in to clean out that ugly closet that you keep locked and locked away? And maybe you think no one else knows about it. Oh, oh yeah, we all got a closet. It's just a question. Have you opened it up and let Jesus come in and clean it out with you? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. James 3.2 says that we all fail and stumble in various ways. None of us are going to be free from our old sin natures till we face Jesus face to face in eternity. In the meantime, we still have to deal with those uh, entangling, besetting sins, as Hebrews 12.1 calls them. And, but here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Um, you don't just lock the closet and ignore it and hope that nobody notices. The writer in Hebrews says, throw off, get rid of everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Jesus called Zacchaeus to throw out his selfish greed. Jesus called the rich young ruler to throw out his selfish greed. Zacchaeus willingly did so. The rich young ruler kept the closet locked and went away sad. Could it be that Jesus is calling you this morning to throw out some besetting, entangling sins? And it could be that's been following you around for a long time. You mean... I could actually get some victory. I, I believe that victory in and through Jesus is possible. 
But it does start with a choice. It's a choice to not guard that closet, to not keep it locked, but to literally open it up and say, Jesus, right now I acknowledge that's my area of weakness. That's my besetting, entangling weak spot. And I need you with your power, with your wisdom, with your courage to clean that closet out. Zacchaeus actively opened up that closet. (laughs) And you know what? The people of Jericho knew that man changed. Is the Lord asking you to throw some stuff out? Is the Lord asking you to uh, allow him to come in and bring victory? Shine the light of his truth? Um, Sometimes that means getting rid of some some stuff that you've uh, found pretty precious. Anybody say, Lord, you're speaking. I just want you to know I'm listening and I'm ready and willing to respond. Anybody say, that's me? You're talking to me today, Lord. Yep. Are there others? Lord, you're talking to me. Yeah. I got this this area, um, and, and maybe it's had you by the throat for a long time. Anybody in the balcony? Lord, you're talking to me today. Mm-hmm. Lord, I believe with all my heart that your son Jesus came to seek and to save lost sinners like me, like all of us here in your church. And Lord, I also believe that you give us the strength and the power and uh, all the things that only your grace can bring us to act and throw out the things that need to be thrown out, to get rid of that weak area in our lives. I'm praying for those who just lifted up their hand. Uh, Help them to follow through. Help them to do it your way. Lord, help them to... uh, Find someone they can trust to hold them accountable. And Lord, even if the cost seems high, and I'm sure the cost seemed huge to Zacchaeus, Lord, we recognize the reward in following you is priceless. Thank you again for uh, inspiring Dr. Luke to get these words down on paper for us. It's in Jesus' name we